BatmanUniverse.net presents the Batman Universe Podcast, your source for all the latest Batman news related to movies, television, merchandise, and video games. Thanks for making the Batman Universe your ultimate source for Batman news. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Batman Universe podcast, episode number 93. I'm your host, Dustin, and today I have with me... This is Melinda. And this is that English guy, John. And we are bringing you the latest news for movies, TV, merchandise, video games, and general news from the month of December. There's not a whole lot of news, mostly because once the second half of the month rolls around, everybody everybody decides to stop releasing news because it's so close to the holidays. Uh, we do actually have a decent amount of listener Q&As that we're going to go over. But first, as always, we're going to get straight into movie news. In the beginning, evil had its day. Sometimes things just go bad. What chance does Gotham have when the good do nothing? On June 15th, evil fears. The night. Gotham isn't beyond saving. We talked last episode, John, myself, and Don, we talked about the casting of Wonder Woman, Gal Gadot, or however people are saying. I think it's Gadot. Yeah, I'm just going to keep saying it wrong until I hear it said said correctly on a, on a, a talk show or something, because she doesn't appear that many times on talk shows, so it's almost impossible to figure it out. But I'll just keep pronouncing it wrong and be scolded by the listeners until then. We talked about the casting of Wonder Woman. That happened at the beginning of the month. As far as any other news, before we talk about anything related to Man of Steel 2, on December 4th, there was a new banner that was released for the Lego movie featuring Batman. Just as a heads up, the Lego Batman film is actually going to be being released on February 7th, 2014. So if you are around and you want to see Batman in the film in 2014, this is probably the only film that will be in theaters. Actually, it is the only film that will be in theaters featuring Batman in 2014. So um, I, I personally am excited about this movie. I'm a huge Lego fan. I'm, I'm really interested to see what they do. I've seen some of the trailers. Some of it looks a little crazy, but I think the humor is going to be much more, you know, taking in hits at the Lego aspects of itself. And... Uh, going from there so i think it'll be kind of interesting batman is clearly not going to be a serious character in some of the trailers he's been featured as a serious character but in very amusing situations such as throwing multiple batarangs and then claiming he hits it on the first try so i'm looking forward to this movie like i said it'll be releasing on february 7th in the united states check your listings for when it'll be releasing in your own country but i'm looking forward to this film I think it looks kind of cute. Um, it, different, obviously, than the other Lego stuff that's come along because this focuses on the whole Lego universe. But based on the previews I've seen, it looks like just a cute, fun movie, and I'm on board with that. I think it's going to be very aimed at kids, but as a huge Lego fan, I, I am looking forward to it. It's got a great voice cast. Morgan Freeman, Will Ferrell is always very funny, I think. 
so I am really looking forward to it. And I think the bits with Batman, you know, is going to be some really, really good little digs at the Batman character himself, as Dustin said, with the whole throwing the batarangs at it multiple times and then saying, but I hit it first time. And some of the shorts that they've used to introduce it look very, very funny. So I'm looking forward to this. Definitely going to go see it. So then on December 18th, Mondo revealed that they have some Batman Mask of the Phantasm posters that will be celebrating the 20th anniversary of the film. It's a little belated because the 20th anniversary party was held on January 7th at the Alamo Draft House at the Ritz. It was featured in a 35mm screening of the animated feature and some posters were revealed for it as well. Posters are actually pretty cool. We have them on the website. There's a color version, kind of like a black and white version, or a grayscale version, I guess. So definitely check that out. Those Mondos really, they do a really good job with some of their uh, their posters, so check those out. Moving straight into Justice League War, the only news that was really announced, even though this movie's just a little bit away, it's, it's not that far away, but on December 19th, it was announced that the film will be getting a premiere in New York. This premiere will happen on Tuesday, January 21st. We have the details on the website. There are tickets still available as you're listening to this and you're interested in going. The details on how to RSVP are actually over on the website for you to see. We'll in fact be having two staff members attend at this premiere and report all of the latest stuff that happens from the actual premiere. Christina Collins, who has been writing a lot of the news, and then our very own Steve J. Rogers will also be attending this one. And then on December 23rd, it was announced that the West Coast will also get a premiere. This one will be held on January 30th in Los Angeles, and we will also have members from our staff attending this one. Tim Dracy, who has been known to review a lot of the animated, anything animated related on the website, he will be attending the premiere to get all the latest information. So also, if there's tickets available for that one, you can RSVP, the details are on the website. This is kind of becoming a normal thing when the DC animated films released for them to have at least a premiere of one of the two cities. This isn't the first time they've had a premiere in two cities, but it's nice that they're, they're at least getting this kind of treatment because they're not obviously hitting theaters, so at least they're getting this treatment where the films themselves are being premiered for fans to see before the film actually does release on February 4th. I think it's quite nice that these films, you know, are they're obviously trying to push these films and make them a, a lot bigger through the use of things like premieres uh, and staff and sort of end cast interviews and things like that and really trying to raise the, the profile of, of the films. I think it, it's a really good move. And again, it's, you know, it's bringing DC to a, a wider audience. And I think that's only a, only a good thing. All right, and then moving straight into the Man of Steel 2 news, just a couple of things, most of them not really news. The first one, on December 18th, it was announced that Joaquin Phoenix could be being courted as the villain for Man of Steel 2. Variety reported that uh, he may take the role of Lex Luthor in the film, um, but this has not been confirmed by either Warner Brothers or Joaquin Phoenix's representatives. But Basically, the reason being is that very recently in a movie called Her, Joaquin Phoenix was in the film, and that was a Warner Brothers film, and it's said that Warner Brothers enjoyed working with him, and they wanted to bring him in on the project as well, in other projects, and this is one of the projects they had in mind. So Her's getting a lot of critical acclaim. It's probably going to be up for a bunch of Oscars, including uh, Phoenix up for an Oscar himself, but this is a rumor. It's not necessarily happening. 
I, I, honestly, him as Lex Luthor, I feel as if almost they would be going the route of Gene Hackman, where he's wearing wigs the entire movie because I don't really look at Joaquin Phoenix and say, hey, yeah, this guy should be bald, or this guy would look like Lex Luthor if he was bald. But then again, you know, who knows what exactly, maybe he's, maybe they're looking at him as a villain, but not necessarily as the villain of Lex Luthor. Him as a villain for sure, but like you said, I, him as a bald Lex Luthor would be, to me in my head, it looks really weird, but actually looking at the picture of him that's accompanying this article, if they wanted to go bald Lex Luthor, if they wanted to say, you know, put the skull cap on him and do all of that, he really does have that intense stare. He's, he's got the presence. Um, you know, he did phenomenally as Johnny Cash and Walk the Line, which is not to say that Joaquin is, or Johnny Cash is a villain, but he's got the presence to play those heavier characters. So I think if they want to cast him as a villain, that's that's a, a good call. I think he has the presence to pull it off. Um, I don't know if Lex is the right one, and you know we don't we still don't even know really what Lex Luthor's role, if any, is going to be in Batman versus Superman. Yeah, I do agree. You know, you obviously don't know if Lex Luthor is actually going to be in the film. I don't personally don't think Joaquin Phoenix would suit Lex Luthor. To me, in in the roles that I've seen him play, he he does he plays quite emotionally heavy characters. Obviously, Johnny Cash has you know had a lot of issues with drink and drugs. They're obviously quite well documented, and he tends to kind of play spoiled brats almost, people who are very uh, emotional and. That's not how I see Lex Luthor. Lex Luthor is, has always been very much rationale and reason and science over any kind of emotion. Um, and he's very, very, to me, cold and and sort of distant because that gets him the results. He does what he does to ensure that he survives and that he benefits. I mean, if you look at... Uh, the recent comic runners that's going on at the moment with with Forever Evil, he's leading the fight against the Injustice League because that kind of benefits Lex Luthor and that Lex Luthor doesn't want to be removed from any potential power and he does it with in a very cold, reasoned argument. Whereas I think Wacken Phoenix is he's a very good actor. Don't get me wrong. Aside from his try of rap, which was very bizarre, but he plays those very emotional characters and those are his strengths and those are where he comes out. And I, I don't think that it would work personally for me. I don't don't see him pulling off how I would expect the role to be portrayed, but of course I could always be wrong. We'll talk a little bit more about villains in a second. Uh, Also on December 18th, uh, it was announced that the script for Man of Steel 2 is being written, rewritten by the writer of Argo, uh, Chris Terrio, who wrote the screenplay for Argo, which was directed by Ben Affleck, which also won Best Writing Adapted Screenplay in 2013. He is rewriting the script currently. Um, As far as whether or not you know, the reason he was brought on, if it had to do something with Ben Affleck or if it had to do with the the fact that uh, David Goyer wrote the original script and now it's being rewritten by this Chris Terrio. Um, it's unknown exactly what is the reason behind it, but The Hollywood Reporter says that he's doing the rewrites. And most of the time, movies nowadays, they're always getting, re- they're always having rewrites done before filming. And most of the time, 
as a lot of directors and actors will say, you don't really know what the finished product of the movie is until it actually hits theaters or at the premiere, because in some cases the stuff in the script might get scrapped. There's, there's, as we've seen with movies being released, there's deleted scenes and things like that that sometimes make their way out that was originally in the script. So you don't really know exactly what the final outcome of the film is going to be until the end. But nowadays, most films are getting rewrites pretty normally, so this isn't uncommon. Yeah, really unshocked by the fact that there are rewrites happening. I mean, I think, from what I understood, David S. Square was always going to be writing first draft of the script to set the plot, set the pace and everything like that, and it was going to be cleaned up by someone else. Um, don't think it's a coincidence that they brought in the guy who did Argo. I mean, he... A, worked with Ben Affleck, and Hollywood can sometimes be a bit incestuous like that, but he won an Oscar for Best Adapted Screenplay. And to take the book Argo, which was a bit of a dry read, and turn it into Argo the movie, you know, he clearly has some talent for it, so I'm not... The fact that they chose to bring him in, not surprising. All right, so that's actually all the news there is related to Man of Steel 2. Now, the one thing I do want to talk about is just another rumor that's been floating out there in, uh, just recently. There, the current rumor is that there will, in fact, be two villains in Man of Steel 2. Now, nobody knows who these two villains are, but the names that are getting thrown around currently is Lex Luthor and Metallo, or Lex Luthor and Doomsday. And I just want to talk about this briefly because I think it's interesting, because at this point, we know that filming is going to start for the film in February so between now and February, we're most likely will get a plot synopsis for the film released by Warner Brothers before filming actually begins. Um, whether or not it's actually detailed enough to actually explain who the villains are, we'll have to wait and see. But it's most likely if they are cast, if they've cast the villains, they will most likely announce at the same time. If you remember correctly, when the Dark Knight Rises came out, uh, or when they first announced the Dark Knight Rises, it was the it was January before they started filming, January of 2011, that they announced that uh, Anne Hathaway and Tom Hardy were both going to be in the film, and that was the first time we found out that they were going to be in the film, was through that press release, which was the brief synopsis introducing the characters that were going to be in the film. Um, so it's, a matter, it's only a matter of time, because you would imagine that with filming starting just next month, which is slightly a bit earlier than um, when The Dark Knight Rises started filming in 2011, the announcement of who the villains were going to be. And the idea behind that is so that once filming started and the paparazzi started snapping the photos and the stuff started being uploaded, we already knew because it was already officially announced. So I imagine we will find out who the villains are within the next couple weeks, uh, right before filming starts, and we'll get some sort of plot synopsis as to what is actually going to be happening in this film. Maybe not a detailed one, but just something on the lines of maybe like three or four sentences explaining basically the premise of the film. But that being said, the villains, I just want to say this. Lex Luthor, I'm all for it. I think it could really work with Lex Luthor being in the film, with the interaction between Bruce Wayne and Lex Luthor, or Batman, Superman, and Lex Luthor. I think it would work perfectly, and Lex Luthor is a very easy choice. Now, the other ones that are being thrown around are Metallo and Doomsday. Now, there's a couple of interesting things about both of these choices. Metallo, you've got Metallo... For those of you who are Batman fans who don't read a lot of Superman or don't know a lot about Superman, basically, at this point, we're, we're almost positive that there's not going to be any Batman villains in this film. 
Now there could be thrown a it could be thrown a giant curveball and it end up it could end up being a Batman villain, but it's very unlikely. Metallo is basically think RoboCop without the human aspect. He's got the brain of of a human, but he's a, he's basically an android that runs off of kryptonite. He's got super strength. His entire droid body runs off of kryptonite. That's essentially what Metallo is, and Superman has a problem beating him because of the kryptonite that is embedded as the android's heart, okay? So, Metallo, I don't know. I, I don't really think that they could go that route, mostly because they didn't discuss kryptonite at all in the first film. And I don't think they want to throw the kryptonite out there so quickly. Um, it would be odd, especially, it would be odd for them to build up to Metallo. Metallo could be the set, you know, the second, playing second fiddle to Lex Luthor, which would also work similar to what they did with uh, Superman Batman World's Finest. Not World's Finest, uh, Superman Batman Public Enemies a couple years back, where Metallo just appears very shortly. Uh, Batman finds out that basically Superman is, has a problem with this kryptonite based off of that. You know, they could do that. It's not very likely because I just don't see them doing that. It just seems like a, a villain they would probably stay away from. Lex Luthor makes more sense. Now, Doomsday is the other one that's been thrown around recently, and a lot of people, the, one of the reasons I've, I recently saw it pop up more recently was because on New Year's Day, or New Year's Eve, one of the two, The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, who has starred in G.I. Joe and Fast and the Furious, he tweeted out that uh, there's there's some big announcements coming in 2014 with him related to DC projects, regardless of who knows what they are. But a lot of people have used that as a basically a jumping point to say that he's most likely going to be in Man of Steel 2, and he's probably going to have to play a large character, which in turn would be Doomsday. I am doubtful of that. I think The Rock as a, as Doomsday would be an odd choice to begin with. Not that he doesn't have the build or anything like that, but it just it's an odd choice to have Doomsday in the second film. Doomsday is a pretty prominent character related to the death of Superman. So I find it hard to believe that they would try to have this character in the film... And then it also, at the same point, have Batman in the film, since Batman had really nothing to do with the entire situation during Death of Superman. So, I I don't think Doomsday is going to be in it. Now, that's not to say The Rock isn't going to be involved, or The Rock's not going to have some sort of other DC project that's going to be announced, because I think that probably is likely to happen. But I just think that Doomsday would be, it would be a little too soon for Doomsday to happen this time. I think Doomsday would be a really good third movie villain, after you've established Superman's origin, after you establish Superman the character, and now you have you can you can do something like that and and have it work. I don't think it would also be a direct interpretation of what we've what what the death of Superman uh, comic is, but that's really one of the few reasons you bring that character in as a basically a go-to character for Lex Luthor. Again, it's there hasn't been enough information kind of explored as far as Superman, the person from every other aspect of Earth, other than he has these powers, and there's other people from his his own race that have powers that came there, and he stopped them. So, nobody's really going to know about Kryptonite. Nobody's really going to know the limitations of him, and that's going to take time to develop. I think a second movie would do that well, and then do that in a third movie, where maybe Lex Luthor unleashes Doomsday, or something similar like that. Who knows? I'm just going to say, I don't think Doomsday is viable. Metallo could work, but I also don't think that that's very likely either. I think the focus is going to be on Lex Luthor, and if we get any other villain, 
um, which is likely, there's likely going to be two villains. It's, they're going to play a very, very minor role in the large scheme of things. While you were talking, I did have a thought. They could use Metallo as, as you kind of said, the way that his weakness to Kryptonite gets revealed. And it might not even be something that's explicitly said. It could just be implied at the end of the movie where, you know, they've Batman has maybe helped him defeat Metallo. He pulls out the Kryptonite. Superman kind of backs away from it and they don't say anything more about it. It could be something like that. But as far as having two villains, adding more and more villains the further you get into a series is a really dangerous bit of water to be treading in um, because you do run the risk of, you know, hitting a villain where fans will say, no, that villain deserved their own movie. What are you doing? Um, Like Spider-Man 3 is always the worst example for this because it had Venom and Venom really did deserve his own movie. The Dark Knight trilogy really effectively balanced it because you had villains working in tandem, even if you didn't necessarily know they were working in tandem right from the get-go. So I'm I'm curious to see how they're going to do it because they're balancing three heroes now and potentially two villains. I don't know a whole lot about Doomsday, but the fact that there are three heroes there makes me think that if they choose to do Doomsday, he might end up being the bigger villain just because he seems like the larger threat that needs to be taken down. So I will wait and see until we hear some of what the announcements are, but I'm really on board with the idea of Lex Luthor and really whoever they want to bring in. Yeah, I'd, I would like to see Lex Luthor um, as the villain, but I don't think on his own he's a big enough threat to require two super, super-powered superheroes and Batman. I think if they're doing the route of having the three heroes, and I, I mean, I think this is a Justice League movie or, or a Justice League Origins movie, you need somebody who is going to pose a sizable threat to the Earth to require these heroes to to band together. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to be a, a massive, massive threat. I mean, the the Justice League TV series, the cartoon TV series, simply had an alien invasion. Now, obviously, you can't do that because everyone will just go, well, you're just doing what Marvel did. But, you know, it's got to be something that brings them together. And I think Doomsday, either Doomsday or Mongol are the two characters that you would say, well, if they turned up on Earth... And as we've seen in the comics and as we see they've done in movies, you know, Superman does have a tough time taking down certainly Doomsday on his own because Doomsday, whilst not being a thinker, you can keep on hitting him and he's going to get up. And you're going to need someone, you're going to need three people to take him down, which is often what the stories revolve around. And, you know, I don't see anything wrong with there being... Lex Luthor as the guy who's directing Doomsday, pointing him in the direction and telling him where to go. I think that would, you know, not necessarily produce a a bad film at all. I think it would be very interesting. But I do think you do need Doomsday or Mongol in there to make this worthwhile. If you were really scraping the barrel, I'd go for Bizarro. But he's got to be strong enough to bring three superheroes together. So like I said, expect some sort of announcement very, very soon, and we'll and we'll leave it at that. All right, so that is all the movie news. Uh, moving into TV news. Somewhere out in Gotham Town, something bad is going down. Only brave Batman and Robin dare to right what's wrong. 
with moon will be leading clues, laughing when the joke's on you. Penguins flying high, but humans funny or real strong. Crying is like a vile disease. Have you met Mr. Freeze? Echo gives you shivers and two faceless in the night. When you think you reach the end, signal your only friend. Batman and Robin, Saturday morning on Fox. There is actually no news to report. Uh, Beware the Batman, which uh, Cartoon Network promised back in October was going to return to the station in January. Um, well, Cartoon Network released their lineup for the month of January, and Beware the Batman is nowhere to be found. Um, we know that there's episodes that are still set to air as part of Season 1 because there was a full season that was produced, and that the show is currently still in production, so... Um, it's it's unsure as to when they'll start re-airing the show. Uh, DC Nation is actually the first two weeks of January. It's actually on hiatus, and there's no DC Nation block on Cartoon Network either, which is kind of odd. Um, the we also know that February 18th, the first uh, part one of the Batman, Beware the Batman season one, will be releasing, which will contain the first 13 episodes two of which have not aired yet. So if they do not start airing new episodes of Beware the Batman until February, uh, they'd have to start the first week of February in order to get them, the first or second week in order to get both episodes that haven't aired yet aired before it releases on DVD. Otherwise, Cartoon Network will have really dropped the ball, which I could honestly say I would not be surprised if they did that. With that, that is all the TV news we've got. The signal goes out. Batman returns. Catwoman's been spotted. The sound of power is heard. It's Batman. See ya, Batman. Batman's turbo-powered Batmobile flies into high gear. I'm out of here. In a flash, it's a high-powered Bat missile. Perfect getaway. It's Rocket Blast Batman. Rocket screaming, lasers firing. Happy ladies, Catwoman. Batman returns. As far as merchandise news goes, a bunch of different things to go over. As always, uh, I suggest that you head over to the website and check out all the pictures of the things we were talking about because it's almost impossible to actually tell you every single item. December 3rd, Funko announced that they have a new line called Wise, Wacky Wisecracks Batman and Joker. These figures are basically bobbleheads that have a wisecrack feature that will say their own specific catchphrases. Batman will be saying, totally capable. Joker will be saying, I'm crazy about you. These are currently available. They were released on December 24th, so you can check out the pictures of those. December 5th, Funko announced the DC Comics Vinyl X Ugly Dolls. The release date has not been released as of yet, but it is expected that they will hit stores in February of 2014. They have a Batman and a Robin one. We both have we have pictures of both those over on the website. On December 9th, Play Arts Kai revealed their Batman Arkham Origins figures are in production. At a trade show in Asia, they, they showed off a Deathstroke and a Batman figure based off of Batman Arkham Origins. Uh, we have pictures of those over on the website. The Deathstroke is actually a lot more complete than the Batman um, as it's actually painted. On December 13th, Mattel's next figure for the DC Signature Collection uh, released, and it is Bat Zaro. So uh, we have a picture of that on the website. These do go, and these do end up going pretty quickly as far as how long they're available. Figures available for $20 plus shipping from MattyCollector.com. You can check that out. On December 13th, DC Collectibles solicitations were released. 
Um, among them includes the first New 52 Earth 2 Batman figure, the DC Comics Covergirl's Poison Ivy statue, and the Batman Arkham City Rabbit Hole Batman action figure. Uh, so you can check out the pictures of all of these items over on the website as well. Also on December 13th, Diamond Select released their solicitations, and included amongst them uh, is a new bust, which is the Batman 66 Robin, Burt Ward version, as well as the Batman Adam West bust as well, which was announced a couple months ago. So we have those on the website as well. December 16th, Coyote Pop Limited revealed that they will in fact be releasing those hoodies that have been making their way across the internet. There was a picture, it was probably beginning of November, mid-November I think, that was being tweeted all over the place. I saw it a couple different times of a company that basically created a bunch of different themed hoodies based off of the various characters that have appeared in the world of Batman, including Nightwing, Robin, Red Hood, and Robin in, in multiple forms. The Tim Drake, the Damian Wayne, the Stephanie Brown, and uh, the Red Robin outfit as well. So, as it turns out, Coyote Pop Clothing has actually released the first two hoodies, or zip-up hoodies, sweatshirts that they, they have, and it is Nightwing. The Nightwing red version and blue version. These are going to cost you $69, and you can ship them as of right now worldwide for various different fees. You can you can check them out uh, by supporting the Nightwing hoodies. You are, in fact, hoping to get some of these Robin versions eventually released as well. So you can check out that. On December 17th, Kyoto Rebel Tech, the Bat Revealed. This Big Bad Toy Store has the figure up on their website. It is going to be five and three quarters long with a detachable cockpit canopy and will come with a display stand. We have a prototype picture over on the website for you to check out. December 17th, Figures Toy Company revealed their Batman 1966 action figures, which are kind of in the theme of Mego figures. Uh, you can check those out over on the website, including Riddler, Batman, Joker, and Robin. On December 20th, Funko revealed that they will have Teen Titans Go Pop vinyl figures. Um, amongst them will include Robin and Starfire, as well as Cyborg, Beast Boy, and Raven. We have pictures of the Robin and Starfire ones over on the website. And last but not least, Hot Toys announced on December 27th that they have the 1-6 scale Dark Knight Batman Armory set. Now, this is a massive, massive set. I wish I had the money for this. Basically, it consists of the actual display case where Batman's suit is kept in the bunker in the Dark Knight. The armory itself includes the bat suit, multiple different, all of the, all of the different versions of the utility belt, the grapple hook, the grapple guns, all of the batarangs. It's it's massive. It's it's pretty detailed. I have to say, just looking at it, it's insane how much stuff comes with it. The armory itself is going to be $2,300. The other thing that's interesting is that also announced that same time when they announced that was that they will be releasing Michael Caine's version of Alfred Pennyworth. This figure is available with a pea coat, black suit, and a red tie, and interchangeable hands. You could get the pair, the Alfred and the armory set, for $3,300. And also, if you just wanted to get the entire bunker set, including Bruce Wayne in his suit, you could pay $3,900 and get it all. I think this is a really cool set. I'd love to have it, but then again, four grand is a lot of money to fork out for Alfred, Bruce, and the, the armory set. The armory set itself, $2,300, that's, that's that is a ton of money. In some cases, the Batmobile that was released, the 1-6 scale 
after the Dark Knight, I don't even believe is that expensive. So it's interesting that it is as expensive as that. The other thing that's kind of mind-boggling to me is the fact that the Alfred figure is going to cost $1,000. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I don't know why Alfred would cost $1,000. I know personally the Hot Toys figures that I've had, I that I've purchased, average somewhere in the neighborhood of like $200. So it seems like a ton of money for an Alfred figure. I'm guessing it's just because it's a very, very, very low production one, and that's probably why it's so expensive. So, all of these items that I have just mentioned, we have pictures of everything over on the website. There's tons of stuff. Um, in addition to this, uh, Toy Fair is just around the corner in February. Um, we will have a staff member attending that as well to report all of the latest Toy Fair news. So, with that, I just want to remind you that you can check out all of the merchandise news that's being reported over on the website um, as it happens from Christina Collins, who has been loading the site with tons of merchandise news. With that, let's get into video game news. So glad you're part of my little criminal creme de la creme. Love your work. My previous employees, dear boys, they try their best, but they're just thugs. Street punks. Not the brightest or the best. But you, why, you're a cut above. You're my elite. With you, I can take down Bane and the Bat. Do what you do best, and you go far. I've arranged for you to receive a little something on the house. <laughs> Only one thing to announce on December 16th, Batman Arkham Origins' new multiplayer mode was revealed. It was it was announced that there will be a 3 vs 3 vs 1 mode that will pit three Bane thugs, three Joker thugs, and Batman against each other with no respawns. The last team standing wins. It is available as of now, released on December 17th. You can also check out another DLC pack called Supply Drop Number 2. Also, New Year's Eve, there was an announcement that there is a new story mode that's going to be coming to our DLC story add-on that's going to be releasing. There's been very little information released as to it, but it's basically going to involve Mr. Freeze. So once we have more information regarding that, we will be sure to let everyone know about it. But as of now, it's really just been an announcement as there is going to be a, a story DLC pack, and it's going to have Mr. Freeze involved in it. All right, and with that, that is all of the video game news. We have no general news. So we're going to jump straight over into our listener Q&As. <laughs> Boy, did you get a wrong number. Leave your message at the sound of the shriek. No, please, don't! Ah! First off, we're going to go through... We're kind of going to flip-flop back and forth between the website and emails because there's an even amount back and forth. So, <clears throat> first up, an email. Hi, this is Sam. I wanted to thank you for answering my question on Arkham Origins Bane last episode. I have a few more questions for you. This is going to be a long email, so bear with me. I wanted to know what you thought of the creators, including Dick Grayson, Arkham Origins as Robin. I personally love the character of Dick Grayson, especially when he was Batman and Damian was Robin back in 2009. I love the combination of happy-go-lucky-ish Batman and kick-butt Robin. Although, I don't think including Dick was a good idea. Because if they are trying to introduce the rogues gallery for the first time, I don't feel like Dick is being there is the right choice. I also wanted to ask if you think it is possible for Damian to return to the comics. If so, do you think he should come back? I love Damien, he is my favorite Robin, but personally I think bringing him back would wreck the power 
his death had on everyone. I also have a suggestion for a segment or a special called Punchline. The idea was you guys could pin different incarnations of the Joker versus DC heroes and or villains and see who would win. I thought it would be great fun. Thank you, Sam. Alright, so let's run through your questions. First off, Dick Grayson and Batman Arkham Origins. I don't think it was necessarily a good idea, mostly because a lot of people nowadays would love to just forget that Dick Grayson was ever Robin to begin with, mostly because he was the the happiest character to Batman's brooding character, for the most part. This wasn't so true in the 50s and 60s, but for the most part, Robin was always the happier of the two. Nowadays, they just want everything to be dark, so it doesn't really work. So having Dick Grayson as Robin in Arkham Origins, to me, doesn't really work because it just it turns the character from Dick Grayson to borderline Tim Drake, Jason Todd, and most of the time you can't even, you don't even know that it's actually supposed to be who it is unless it's said. So I don't think that they should have had Robin at all. I think it's, it, it, honestly, the, the game feels as if it was too early in Batman's career to have Robin in the game. But then again, as we talked about last episode, this is taking place on a different universe, so everything can be different with explanation from the people who are creating the story since it's not taking place in normal comic continuity. Like we said, I always kind of assume it's in a hand-wavy timeline kind of thing. It, there's Because this is in a different universe, they're not going to follow the same canon. I agree that Dick Grayson's Robin character does not necessarily fit the tone of the Arkham games, uh, so I'm kind of surprised that they have chosen to include him rather than maybe say, hey, in this timeline, this is what happened. He skipped straight to being Nightwing and this darker, broodier Robin was Robin. I think they're trying to kind of create their own universe. I mean, as far as I remember, the the old pre-New 52, I thought Robin was generally considered to come around about the second or third year, wasn't it? Because he appears... This is Dark Victory, and I always assumed that was year two. I could be wrong, though. I'm waiting for Dustin to go, nope. Yeah. Is it? Oh, okay. So from that kind of perspective, it does make sense that he's in there, because my understanding is, and what I remember of the game, I haven't, I must admit, I haven't actually played it, is that this is Batman's second year of being a superhero. And of course... As we all know, years and decades and time doesn't work in the same way as the D- the DC universe as it does in real life. Otherwise, Batman would be well would be seventy five years old. So I kind of can get past it. I do agree though; it doesn't really fit within the storyline that they're trying to do. I think I would have much rather. It was just a just Batman on his own. And that's kind of how they set it all up. So to have Dick in there doesn't kind of make sense in a storytelling perspective. But in my eyes, it makes sense in a continuity perspective. But I don't think it is the main DC universe. It is quite clearly a a separate. I think that's the way that how I view it anyway. And as regards to your guys comments about the Robin, I think most people kind of have Dick Grayson's Robin in the the hot pants and the pixie boot. To be honest, really, kind of, it doesn't work in in this day and age. You know, it could you got away with it in the sixties because it was that kind of innocent age. You know, and and people didn't really accept that those the things that we know now kind of did happen. And I think that's why they tend to put all of the Robins in. 
very similar costumes and make them look quite similar because it's kind of it gets around the whole pixie boots thing and also as well i think from a fan perspective i mean if your favorite one unless the, as i said it's explicitly stated it could be anyone so if your favorite is tim drake then you can fit it so that it's tim drake and if you your favourite is Dick Grayson, you can fit it as Dick Grayson. It kind of, it pleases everyone, except for the people who want a definitive answer, for which it doesn't please at all. But I kind of get what they're trying to do there, appealing to the widest denominator. All right, and then your next question about uh, whether or not Damien could come back in the comics. I think it's entirely possible this is the world of comics where people who die don't necessarily, or aren't necessarily in fact dead. But that being said... I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. As much as there is a decent fan base for Damien, I don't see them bringing Damien back anytime in the near future just because, as you said, it would diminish the effects that it has had on the stories themselves with Damien dying. But at the same point, I also have to say that there's plenty of ways that they could do it because if we look back at the history of some of the characters recently that have died, or I should say, Within the last couple of years, five years, um, that that have died. Stephanie Brown was dead. A lot of people were upset about that. Then it was revealed that she never died in the first place. So, you know, I think Damien has a higher popularity level than Jason Todd. So it's not going to take 15 years for Damien to reappear into the comics like he did Jason Todd. But I think, you know, the fact that this literally just happened this past year I don't see it, see him coming back anytime in the near future. Uh, I will suggest that you check out Damien, Son of Batman, a comic series that's currently on the third issue. There's two more issues, I believe, that will release, and it's basically telling the what-if story of Bruce Wayne is, is much older. Damien has taken over the mantle of Batman from Bruce Wayne, but that's not actually how the story starts out, so... I won't ruin anything. It's actually, it's, it's kind of interesting. It's, I wouldn't say it's, it's the best writing ever, but, uh, it's been an interesting story from the beginning. So I would suggest checking that out as well. I'm so very glad that when I was little, I watched soaps with my mom. Um, so this whole idea of people not being dead, people faking their deaths, people being resurrected. I'm fine with this. I'm like, oh, yeah, that seems totally normal. That can happen. Like Justin said, this was meant to be a really impactful death. I would be very shocked if it was reversed right away, but I would be even more shocked if it was not reversed ever. Um, So I think it will happen. I think it's a matter of it's going to be a few years down the line, and I think it's. I hope it comes at the hands of a writer who looks at it and says, okay, this is what this story can mean, and this is what this story can do for the overall Batman mythos, not just, oh, I would really like to write a story with Damien, and I'm going to Lazarus pit him. Yeah, I, I do think Damien will come back. However, I I think it will be a couple of years, but I think he will come back as a villain, and I almost guarantee that he will have been put into a Lazarus pit. I think it's... It's disappointing, but that seems to be the easiest way for them to get out of of him dying. But, you know, I don't think it would necessarily be a bad thing because you could tell a very interesting story, perhaps with Talia, and, and sort of expand. If you're going to do it that way, I would expect them to 
expand on her and Damien's relationship and go into that kind of mother-child connection and really kind of explore it and and have a look at it from a, a really interesting perspective. And I think if they went down that route, I would definitely buy into it and I'd definitely be really excited for it. But I've got a sneaky suspicion we might see a whole kind of Jason Todd-esque style return, uh, which me would be quite disappointing. All right, so then your your last comments about the uh, the special or segments, we will take that into consideration. Uh, for the most part, Don is actually heading up a lot of the specials at this point since he's no longer on the comic cast. That's not to say that there aren't other specials that are going to release, but he's heading up a lot of those, so we will pass it on to him. Next up, SG says, I'm a big fan of the show. Wish Young Justice would re-air. What would you have liked to see in Season 3? One thing that I would have loved to see in Season 3 is kind of the... It, it almost felt as if when Season 2, when the Justice League is released from the aliens' control because they supposedly did all those horrible things five years ago when they were under the control of the light, they did all those horrible things or whatever, and they were taken, they were arrested by basically that alien group that uh, decided whether or not they should be held accountable for their acts or not. I would have loved to see it really when that, when it just was like, oh, well, they're on trial now, and oh, wait, we can bribe them and they're suddenly free. It, it really, to me, that felt like it was kind of, I, I don't know, it just... It felt like a letdown, in my opinion, because I felt like there could have been so much more. The fact that they'd just been, been, held, been held prisoner for all that time. The Young Justice team had to deal with all these problems back on Earth because the all of that stuff, you know, the Justice League was nowhere to be found because they were all arrested. You know, that that's fine, but the fact that they were just, they went on trial, they were found not guilty, and they were let go, it just kind of was like, yeah, that's it. It just fell flat for me. So I'd like to see that carried on a little bit longer. I also, I think another thing that I would have enjoyed would be the the group of the Misfits, uh, Static Shock, Patchy, Chief, all those characters that made their debut in Season 2. I think them, they could have had an interesting storyline by themselves, um, focused on on the side. The big thing is, I just would have liked to see the team grow as a team more. We saw, you know, Dick Grayson as Nightwing become the leader we saw a lot of characters uh, make their first appearances in Season 2. But for the most part, we didn't really learn a whole lot about the characters themselves. So I would have liked to see them just focus on a little bit more of the individual characters, take a whole episode and focus on, you know, Batgirl, or take a whole episode and focus on Wonder Girl, or take a whole episode and focus on Bumblebee. You know, all of these different characters that, you know, didn't really have a whole lot of focus other than them just being there. I think it could have been really cool. I really, really wanted resolution on the Flash storyline, on where Wally went, all of that kind of stuff, almost more than I wanted resolution on anything else. But I guess I really was mostly, I mean, aside from the Flash, I wanted to see where they were going to go next because this was such a well-written story and such a well-written plot line over the course of the two seasons that I wanted to see what they could bring to me to keep me hooked. You know, I wanted to let them have free reign with creativity. Yeah, I think I'd have liked to have seen where they went with the, the much more emotional element. Um, certainly Artemis after Wally's disappearance and whether she doesn't believe that he's dead and goes looking for him. 
and sort of her kind of adventures um, to try and discover whether he is dead or not, and perhaps working with some of the others. Also, I'd have liked to have seen some of the relationships worked on and expanded to see where McGann and, and Superboy go. I think, you know, that was something that, that was kind of worked all the way through the first two series, and it, I think it was one of the more interesting parts of it and I, I'd have loved to have seen where they went with that, how they resolved it and also McGann's actions throughout it where she does lose control and she does attack uh, some of them, I mean she obviously does it to, to Aqua Boy she also does it to one of the aliens as well and sort of seeing people's reaction to what she's done and, and that being discovered and again the, the emotional fallout of, of those the consequences of that. So next up, Twisted Cowl says, Why is John even a fan of DC? I don't think I've ever heard him say anything positive about any subject to do with any of the stories or characters. I find him to be the only adverse aspect of your guys' show. So our response to that is, well, John is British, and uh, generally they're bitter people. Uh, but I'm going to give John the opportunity to say five positive things about something DC-related. <laughs> No, actually, to be fair, I, I do say a lot of positive stuff about DC. If you listen to Bat Books for Beginners, I have been incredibly praising of the no Batman No Man's Land, which I think is an excellent series so far. I do kind of understand a little bit his criticisms. I tend to be a little bit cynical. However, it's not cynicism born out of a dislike i want dc to be the best thing possible you know i want it to be a successful company i want it to be producing good storylines you know bringing more people on board and i think it's my duty if it if i don't think it's doing that i think i should say that and tell people that i don't think i need to be praising or of something that i i don't think deserves praise i think it's much more useful to criticize and to say well hold on a minute i don't think this is going to work and as long as i justify those reasons and don't just say well it's going to be rubbish and leave it at that i don't see that as a bad thing and when things do work out well and and things deserve praise then i will i will be positive about them and i will I will say nice things about them, you know. That <laughs> it's my duty as a critic, I suppose is the best way to put it, is to to give an honest opinion, and and that's what I feel I do. And if you think I'm being negative, or if you think I'm being overly positive, uh, well, you know, that's your opinion. And in fact, the fact that I've elicited a reaction from you, and that you're you're saying, well, hold on a minute, I want to argue against you and I I don't think you're right actually means I've kind of done my job I brought something out and if you disagree with me come on and say and you know come on ask Dustin to come on to the show if you want to disagree with me I'm always happy to be disagreed with you know and I, and I think I that I've done my job really if you're if you're that engaged with what we're saying whether it's a positive or a negative to be honest right so I think you did a fair job of Explaining himself there, so hopefully we hear back from you, Twisted Cowl. Next up, an email. This one comes from Jeff. He says, Hey guys, another great show. I just wanted to give my two cents in the casting of Wonder Woman for the new Superman movie. 
I really hate the casting they did for Wonder Woman. Gal is too thin. I know you guys talk about her getting into shape for the role, and I will wait that till that time to comment on that more. She can work out a lot and look better, that's true, but I feel Zack Snyder didn't look hard enough for the perfect Wonder Woman. And in my humble opinion, this is my perfect Wonder Woman, and I believe she would have done a great job in the role. Miss Gina Carino. She's the perfect Wonder Woman. I even found some fan art on the net of her as Wonder Woman. So, th- this name was thrown around a lot. Uh, she, Gina Carano, is, uh, she was recently in Fast and Furious 6. She's also done some other films. She's a former MMA fighter who turned into an actress. She did a movie called Haywire that's released in 2011. I saw the film. It was, she was basically the main character of this film. It's very, very action based film that had a female and she did a pretty decent job. I don't think that she did a bad job, but here's my problem with her as Wonder Woman. She, she could be Wonder Woman. I'm not going to say that she couldn't be Wonder Woman if they, if they, you know, if they wanted to. Now I'd say the exact same thing about Gal is the fact that I don't look at her and say, yes, this is Wonder Woman. But I say the same thing about Gina as well. I, I look at her and say, nope, she's th- this, you know, she could be Wonder Woman, but she's not. I, I will sit here and say that I don't think that Zack Snyder sat here and didn't look long and hard to figure out who he's going to have. There has to be a very specific reason of why he picked Gal over anybody else. That being said, I think Gina could be a really good female action star no matter what role she played. There's plenty of other characters that she could play within the DC Universe if they were. Um, a lot of it all stemmed from the fact that she's had an on-and-off, again, relationship with Henry Cavell. Um, and more recently, they were they had a picture of them that popped up over the Internet, uh, showing off the, the two of them showing off their new dog. I honestly, as much as I think that she could do it, I don't look at her and say she's my perfect Wonder Woman, and I'll just leave it at that. I think that her relationship with Henry Cavill, the fact that it's on again, off again, may have had something to do with it. But I think Gal Gadot, that's how it's pronounced. I looked it up. It's Gadot. I I think her attitude towards Wonder Woman, to me, is going a really long way towards selling her on being Wonder Woman or selling her to me as her being Wonder Woman. I know she's undergoing a crazy physical transformation right now, but a lot of the response has been that she's too skinny or she's not muscular or she's not curvy enough to play Wonder Woman. And she came out and said, she was like, well, you know what? Breasts don't define a woman. You can get them for 9,000 shekels over in Israel, whatever. And if I really wanted to go buy the book, Amazonians only have one. So so she's pretty much saying suck on that. Um, but she is taking it very seriously. And I think that I think until we actually see the Wonder Woman that they have written, we're not going to know why they cast her. We are going to have to wait to see the finished project product before we can really make the judgment. Oh, she was not the right person. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I'm not going to lie; I have no idea who she is. I've not ever seen any of her acting roles, and to be honest, that the films that don't really appeal to me, and I'm not that inclined to go out and watch them to see. I think, to be honest, as with with all the roles, with Ben Affleck, with with Gal, um, you know, you can kind of only ever wait until the film comes out uh, to make any kind of accurate judgment to see what whether it's worked or whether it's failed. And to be honest, that's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to wait until we see the film, and then I'm going to pass judgment on it. 
And then the very last comment we have comes from longtime listener Alex. He says, Great episode, guys. I was really interested to hear what you guys thought of the titles for the Man of Steel sequel, but I'm kind of worried about the tone because of them. Even after watching Man of Steel Blu-ray, I, I, I still really like the movie, and although I love Batman, I wished he was only going to make a cameo or after-credit appearance because I wanted to see them develop the Superman character in his universe. I actually really liked the long fight at the end because I thought there was a good purpose for it, and if it was any shorter, I would have been disappointed. It's a battle for Earth. It was his introduction, and I was hoping for the next movie to be a much more intimate, and I thought it perfectly set up for a lot of political elements with Luther. I hope they don't go the Marvel routes with all the characters acting like clowns because of the feedback of Man of Steel. I hope adding Batman is going to be a big enough boost so they don't have to go with the cutesy writing or cartoonish banter of the Avengers and recent Marvel movies. I love the first Iron Man movie and enjoyed the second, but I think the Avengers' success made Marvel switch the TV and movie universe to that tone. That's why I hated Iron Man 3. It's a shame because they had such a great show with Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes, which had humor, but it was respectful to the characterizations and didn't rely on it for good stories, and dropped it for Avengers Assemble, a show I barely finished the first episode. Actually, I don't think I did. It's why I stopped watching Beware the Batman. I really dug the first few episodes, and then it got silly. I don't know if you guys remember, but I wrote a few times about my me loving the 2003 Teen Titans show. It had a lot of humor aimed at younger audiences, but for the art style, you could really clearly see that it was aimed for the younger audiences, and I could ignore it if I didn't like it because of that. I know some of you didn't care for it, but I thought Dick Grayson was pretty awesome in that show, and I really enjoyed his relationship with Slate. In regards to the criticisms on Watchmen, I agree it had a lot of problems, especially the slow motion and music placements. But it appeared to me that it really loved the, that he really loved the source material. I appreciate his efforts to try to bring the comic to life and taking far less liberties than most directors. I know it's a sacrificing it's a sacrificing to a lot of people, but I thought his ending was much better than the comic. What is your favorite characterization of a character from the DC animated universe that you wish was in the comics? I really like their version of Tim Drake being a mix of Jason and Tim's personality, at least that's how I saw them. I also like their Dick Grayson as a mix between Dick and Tim, although I wouldn't want the Return of Joker events to carry over because I don't want to see Tim grow into a bitter, tormented old man. We have too much of that kind of stuff already. Then uh, he followed his comment by saying, wait, forget that. I love Tim's characterization in the comics. He's been second favorite Batman Universe-related character because of the comics. I'll come up with a better one, and if I don't get back to go anyone but Tim, I'll go with anyone but Tim. Then he replied, I'll go with Joker. I really didn't like Alan Moore's version of the killing joke. I, re I liked that he was a gangster before his accident, which was shown in The Mask of the Phantasm, but that's still my favorite comic book movie. All right, so... Basically, the question is, what is your favorite version of an animated character that you would have liked to see pulled over to the normal comic continuity? As far as characters, I think that uh, one of the things that, well, I'm, I'm going to specifically refer to things in the New 52 because I don't, I, I think it's more important to focus on the current stuff, specifically just because there's a lot of stuff that, that I'm not really enjoying with uh, the New 52. One of the things that I really liked, Mr. Freeze in Batman the Animated Series, was a much more emotional character 
And for whatever reason, in the New 52, Scott Snyder rewrote his origin to have really nothing to do with Nora Fry's and really have no, no relationship with her at all. And now he's just this weird, demented person who has psychological issues regarding family and loved ones. And I, I'm not really liking what they've done with Mr. Freeze. So I'd like them to use what they did with Mr. Freeze. They did a pretty decent job of keeping that, that same tone of Mr. Freeze from the animated series to the comics that showcased Mr. Freeze in the 90s and the early uh, 2000s. So I, I'd like them to go back to that. I don't really like what they've done with Mr. Freeze uh, turning him the way they have. So so that that's one of them. Um, I'll give one other one. Um, as far as the way Tim Drake, or not Tim Drake, Dick Grayson is portrayed in the 2003 Teen Titans show, like you mentioned, I think that was done really well. But that would not carry over to the comics really well because of the timing and the fact that with the New 52, Dick Grayson was never part of the Teen Titans because the Teen Titans never existed until Tim Drake decided to start it up. I'd like to see Tim, I'd like to see his character changed a little bit more within the New 52 to kind of become more of what Dick Grayson was shown in that Teen Titans show um, because that's the way I look and think. Tim Drake really is, is the way Dick Grayson was portrayed as Robin in Teen Titans, the Teen Titans show from 2003. Um, I will be one of those people who will admit that I was completely wrong. Um, when that show was first on the air and I watched it, I really did not like it. And uh, I recently, a couple, it was probably a year ago or so, I rewatched the entire five seasons in a, in a, as a marathon. And after I watched them, I really thought that the writing on those were actually pretty good. The animation style was clearly something that I've always had a problem with, but the stories themselves, they actually did a pretty good job. And you know, I, I probably knocked on that show for way too long, and I, I'm happy to admit my, when I'm wrong. And I was wrong as far as that show being um, not one of the best shows out there. Um, I think the characterization that I would like to see cross over or or even come back, is I I really like Jason Todd. Uh, that has changed a lot since I first started reading comics and when I used to laugh at his death. I have really grown attached to him and grown really fond of him, and I'm not a fan of, of his characterization in The New 52. I feel like he's lost a lot of what made him at all sympathetic, if you could call him sympathetic to begin with. So I really wish that we could bring back some of his characterization from the movie, of course, Under the Red Hood, which was based on the comic Under the Red Hood. But I, I would like to see that come back. As far as other characterizations, I I usually do view them fairly separately because, you know, you have to understand they generally take place in another universe. So minor inconsistencies or things like that, not not a huge, terrible deal to me. But I agree with Dustin that it would be nice to see Nora's backstory and or Mr. Freeze's backstory come come back and include Nora because right now he's just a psychopath running around and we have enough of those. Yeah, as with all of you guys, I agree about Mr. Freeze. I think that's the one big misstep by Scott Snyder in how he's changed that character and made him a lot less sympathetic because he was always that grey, aired villain that sort of lurched between good and bad and 
he often had a bigger reason for behaving how he behaved um, than just being completely off his rocker, which is what he is at the moment. The other thing that I'd like to see them move across is Tim Drake's characterization in Batman the Animated Series into um, the the DC um, New 52. I know I've just been criticised for being negative, but I think Scott Lobdell is one of the worst things to have happened to comics since Frank Miller went insane. And his characterization of Tim Drake just, it, to me, is everything that is not Tim Drake. And although he's quite cocky in the animated series, he's not a jerk, which is essentially how he's portrayed in the Teen Titans at the moment. So I would like to see him actually toned down to what he is in the animated series. All right. And that is all of the listener Q&As we have on the website. I want to thank you all for sending your listener Q&As and remind you to send in your listener Q&As for this episode so that we can cover them over on episode 94, which will release in February. Um, I also want to remind everybody to head over to the website for all the latest news related to movies, TV, merchandise, video game, and, of course, the comics as well. Also, be sure to check out all the other podcasts that we have to offer, including Batfans, Backworld Oracle, Taking Flight, as well as one of our newest podcasts that we've added to the mix, Robin, Everyone Loves the Drake Podcast, which is a podcast focusing on Tim Drake. Check out all of those, including new new commentaries. We've been releasing those pretty regularly at this point, as well as the comic cast as well. So with that, also be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube for all the latest news and videos from the Batman Universe. And also leave us reviews on iTunes. Those we always greatly appreciate. You can leave your comments in the podcast section under the episode in the comment section below the episode post on the website, or you can email us at podcast at thebatmanuniverse.net. That is everything for this episode. This is Dustin. This is Melinda. And this is John. You've been listening to the Batman Universe podcast. We'll see you guys next time. Enjoy Justice League War. We'll have all of us be back on the same podcast together again next month. Who knows? Who knows?